I'm just curious, how many of you are fishermen out there? Don was just talking about, anybody know anything about fishing besides Jim Wigington? Wow. Okay. So maybe the book that Don's writing about lures and jigs, maybe some of you should buy that. I asked him about it. I said, how did you catch so many fish? And he goes, well, you'll have to read my book. It's, it's called uh, Lures and Jigs. And I go, well, I know about lures. I use them all the time, past tense. And I never caught anything. I said, so what's a jig? And he goes, you stand up at the boat. You go, hey, fishy, fishy, fishy. Get in the boat. Get in the boat. Fifty fish later, he writes a book. I don't know. So uh, today we're continuing uh, on our topic of worry. Hopefully you didn't worry very much this week. If you were here last week and I gave you a little green card with our passage, Matthew 6, 24 to 34 on it. I asked you to read it five times throughout the week. And I think if you did that, you should have a noticeable difference in your worry load. I know it worked that way for me. Um, I virtually have not worried about anything in the last two weeks. I've started to and then go, oh, no, practice what you preach, practice what you preach. You know, so um, even as, as late as last night, I had everything ready. I had some really good video clips for you I was going to show you today. And at 10 o'clock, um, Paul called me and he says, uh, have you listened to these? And I said, no. And he said, well, there's this like hum throughout the whole thing. I'm like, oh, you're kidding me. I just had that computer fixed. And I go, okay, I'm not going to worry about it. Just scrap it. No problem. Um, came in today and uh, couldn't find my notes. So I'm not going to worry about it. You guys have a good time talking to each other this morning. I'll <laughs> Um, everything doesn't always work the way we'd hope because uh, we don't really have any way to uh, influence the future. Um, the things that haven't happened yet, we have no control of them. And really, everyone worries, I think. Everyone worries. I've heard most people talk about worrying. Um, it's been going on forever, at least for maybe 2,000 years, because Jesus thought it was a really important topic to talk about um, in, in his day. Um, some of you liked it so much, you started sending me all your favorite quotes this week. So I got a whole bunch of them. I can't read them all. But um, these are some of the ones that I added this morning. Worry is an old man with a bended head carrying a load of feathers which he thinks are lead. That came from Corey Tenboom. Not sure how she got that to me, but um, <laughs> not going to worry about it. Um, Worry is trying to carry a burden that should have never been on our shoulders. That's kind of what we talked about last week. Um, how about this one? Worry is prayer in reverse. See, worry makes problems bigger and prayer makes problems smaller. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and power of God. It's faith in the bad things rather than faith in God. And this is how we often disguise our worry. We say, I'm concerned about something. I have some issues to work through. I have a lot on my mind. And these statements make me think I'm a big person with big things going on. So worry actually is a preoccupation with the future. We want to control tomorrow, but like we said last week, there's no certainty about tomorrow. And as far as I know, you've never been able to control the future. You can uh, read books. We talk about books. There was 1,200 books in paperback written that were available on Amazon in every category, some categories you don't even want to know about that people worry about. And um, you can read books. You can uh, go see your doctor. Um, you can take medicine. You can try and relax. 
And all of these things apparently haven't solved the problem of worry because we still do. So I think that what Jesus has to say to us in this passage actually is the solution to worry if we get it. Um, So let me pray before we jump into a little review of last week. God, thank you for um, your word on this. Thank you for sending Jesus to um, talk to people about this and then that it was written down so that we could see it. And today... Um, I pray as we listen and think about um, the way that we worry and how we could let go of this, that we would understand the main two things that Jesus is trying to say here about our faith and our devotion, and that we would apply them to our lives and we would worry less, if not at all. Um, Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's three statements uh, we're going to look at real quick um, from last week. Um, We're in Matthew 6, 27 to 34 today, um, if you want to go there. And then let's put up these three statements. Um, First one is, we decided, we talked about this last week, you can't add anything by worrying. Think about that. What have you ever added to your life by worrying? The second one is, saying don't worry doesn't mean don't care. I'm not sure I was clear on this last week. If I say don't worry about it, I don't mean don't care about it. We, We do have to care about things. We should do all that we can do about something. But what we do is we take beyond what we can do, the things that we can't predict in tomorrow, and we worry about those things. Those are the things we need to place in God's hands because he is the only one that can control what's going to happen tomorrow. We can only deal with what's in front of us. So don't worry doesn't mean don't care. Um, If you've got to make the payments on your house, then you need a job and you need money. So you have to figure out how to do those things. If you don't have a job and you're just sitting around the house waiting for one to come, there's something you should do. You should write a resume. You should look in the paper. You should go on Craigslist. You should knock on doors. You should talk to people. and, And then you've done everything you can do. Then don't worry. The third thing says the things I worry about reveal where my devotion lies. And we'll kind of get to that toward the end today. The things that I worry about reveal where my devotion lies. You see, the things that we're devoted to, the things that we collect, the things we have to do, we worry about these things and then they affect our emotions and then we get wound up. And like if you're worried about your kid and their grades and their school, you get worked up because they're not doing everything they can. And then you get upset with them and then they run away from home and then you can't find them and you worry about that. And, you know, I mean, things just build up. Um, not every kid that you get upset at runs away from home, by the way. Um, but, but we could handle those things a little better if we didn't worry. So last week, I asked you to take out a piece of paper and make a list of all the things you were worried about last week. And there's not as much paper in the rows now because I think if you listen to me, you probably are worrying about a lot less. Um, some of you, you know, I said, throw those papers, crumble them up, throw them out in the aisle. And you were afraid to do that because you were worried about littering the church. And so, um, I'm not going to ask you to, to throw anything today, but I am asking you to take out a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be huge, but if there's a piece of paper there, I'm going to ask you to list some worries, maybe just one today. Maybe, maybe you're, you're not worrying about most things, but there's one really big thing that you're still holding on to. You still are trying to own it. You're still thinking you have some control over it. And maybe just write that one thing down. If you were to write it on a piece of paper today, um, you know, just take it and write the one thing down. Later, I'm going to give you a verse to write across the top. So we're not going to throw this at me today. You're going to hang on to these. Um, But, you know, like I suggested, maybe 20 million things last week you could worry about and probably gave you more to worry about than you needed to. Um, For example, this week, uh, you just heard about the staycation. And last week, there was about 40 kids signed up. When I came in this morning, there was about 72 signed up. 
And it's probably going to grow overnight because people like to sign up at the last minute. But um, if you notice coming here this morning, the road is mostly gone and it makes this terrible sound. As you drive across it, you're probably thinking, if I come to staycation all week, I'm going to wear out my tires, and then what do I do? Um, Will, are you here this morning? Just raise your hand, Will. There he is. Will is the manager of the Southtown uh, Les Schwab store. So <laughs> if your tires wear out, don't worry. Just go see Will. Okay? You can pay me for that later. And um, take, So take this worry on this piece of paper. If you don't have one... I hope you want to participate in this. It can be any piece of paper, whatever you can grab, and then just take it, and I want you to roll it up. Just roll it up. And then if you're not taking notes or whatever this morning, you can just hold that in your hands during the message, that thing that you're worrying about that you're holding so tightly to, obviously this week because you still wrote it down. Just hold on to that, you know, and then it'll be like a nice little rolled up paper by the end of the day, and I'll tell you what to do that later. Then just set that aside, or like I say, hold on to it and just wring your hands on it. Hopefully, you'll be moving less by the time we're done. Um, So Jesus is asking us about um, this question today. Can we redirect our devotion? The last statement on there. Can we redirect our devotion? We'll be getting to that. Uh, Matthew 6, 27. I'm just going to read through some of this, and uh, we'll see where we go. Um, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life. 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. We work for our clothes. We labor. We spin. Well, you do. I don't. I just buy them. Um, Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Okay, remember last week Jesus said, look at the birds. And you said, no, I'm too busy to look at the birds. Well, look at the flowers. No, I'm too busy to look at the flowers. But he was trying to teach us something through looking at these things that he's made that aren't worried, and yet they're taken care of. And you say, I don't have time. i got to pay my bills. i got to get my kids to school. i got to make sure they do their homework. i got so many things to do. And Jesus is saying, no, I want you to look at the birds and look at the flowers. I want you to slow down. I want you to back up. I want you to take a look at what you already know, but you've obviously forgotten. And it's this. Consider all the things that I've been doing since the beginning of creation. Um, I, these aren't on the screen, but I'm just going to run through some verses real quick that, that may remind us of that. The first one's Romans 1.20. I'm going to go so fast that you probably won't have time to turn there, but you can write the reference down for the future. Uh, Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his internal power, his div- uh, eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. And we'll run over to Psalm 19, 1 through 4. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they, the skies, the heavens, pour forth speech. Night after night, the skies, the heavens, display knowledge. I'll show you that in a minute. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice, the heavens and the skies, go out unto all the earth, their words to the end of the world. So creation speaks to us. In Psalm 104, um, read this sometime. When you think that um, God is not in control, read this whole psalm sometime. I'm just going to read you a couple of verses from the middle. Uh, Verse 16 The trees of the Lord are well watered. The cedars of Lebanon 
just a few miles away. Uh, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted, um, there the birds make their nests. The stork has its home in the pine trees. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuse, for, a refuge, sorry, for the conies. Anybody know what conies are? Anybody? Conies? Okay. I heard someone give it away. But one person in here, too, I guess, know what conies are. See, God has made things you don't even know about yet. I think they're rabbits, as somebody said. There was another word for it, another version I couldn't even pronounce. So um, there's that. Psalm 139, 13. 139, 13. For you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before any of them came to be. So Jesus reminds us, that God has been busy at work creating. And so here's the thought process. Consider the things that I've been doing. Consider what you've been teaching your kids, the things that you've believed your entire life, all the things that I did, that I created everything. You believe that, right? Yeah. Okay. Don't lose sight of it because it's partly that that will help you to stop from worrying, remembering all of the things that I've done. Verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? So uh, this morning, as I was tossing and turning in bed, not worried a bit about this message today. Seriously, I was just like, why can't I sleep? You know, saying to someone, stop worrying. Try to stop worrying is like saying when you can't sleep, try to go to sleep. So I didn't bother. I just let my mind wander um, I, I thought I have this astronomy book downstairs. I got it for like five ninety nine at Borders, and now it's sixty percent off. <laughs> I could afford the five ninety nine, so I'm not worried. Um, anyway, a couple things in here that were really cool. I was thinking about this morning. So this is uh, the northern looking um, view of the summertime sky at night. Now, if you live in a neighborhood with a lot of lights, you probably can't see this. But if you get out somewhere where it's really dark and you look up, there are just thousands of little white dots on here. And um, the Bible says God knows each of their names. And we've put things on them like M52, M101. We can't even think of that many names for all the things that God has created. A college student this week um, at our uh, campfire out there on Tuesday night, he pulled out his um, little iPhone like this and he goes, oh, check this out. And he's holding it up to the sky. I go, what are you doing? Trying to take pictures of the stars? And he goes, no, I have this app on here and wherever you hold it, it lines up with the sky. So it's like this little compass thing in it. And he holds it up there and he goes, look, there's blah, blah, blah. And he names the constellation. I go, show me the Big Dipper. I know that one. And everybody knows that one, right? But this is full of all these things that are in the sky that we can't even see. I, I found this other page uh, it's something about Orion. I love this one. It's, uh, uh, yeah, here we go. It's called the Orion Star Factory. And um, there's some really cool pictures here of things that we don't ever get to see. Maybe if you had a Hubble telescope in your backyard, you could see these. 
But um, some really cool pictures of the stars. I'm thinking, this is awesome. It even says right here, here we take a look at the Orion Nebula and its surroundings to witness the miracle of star birth. So there's stuff happening in the sky all the time. We don't know the names. We don't know what's going on. It's really awesome. Less than $5.99 now if you want to go pick up that book. Um, We're financing our new building with these free ads that I'm... No. Um, Anyway. Um, So Jesus is saying, remember all of this that I made and put in motion. And if you're remembering all of that, then why have you stopped short and stopped believing that I can take care of your little problems? Remember all this stuff I did? Oh, you of little faith. See, some of us are more concerned. We're less concerned about the stars and more concerned about Starbucks. Uh, you get this little app for your deal here. And if you go to Starbucks enough times, you get this gold card. And then if you purchase 15 things on your gold card, um, then you get a free coupon for any drink you want. And so you always go get the biggest, most expensive one with this card. But then on this little app, it shows a, a picture of a cup and there's a couple stars above it. And if I get this to work now, because uh, they didn't ring up my ones from the last couple of days yet. If I press my rewards... It should have a cup here, and the stars should start dropping into my cup. There's only one in there, and that was like 10 days ago, and I was there this morning. Okay, I was, I was sure I was up, hooked up. I can't get the stars to drop. Some of us are more worried about how many stars are in our little cup on our app than the fact that God made all the stars that are up there. Come on. Well, first hour, somebody said, don't worry, and they got a free Starbucks, anything, any size, you know, so I was kind of baiting you to jump in here, and guess I get to keep that one. Sweet 15. All right. Jesus said, you of little faith, and it's interesting that this was a compound word made up of two Greek words. It's the only place, or actually, Jesus is the only one that says this word, the Bible. It's like he made it up. Because he can do that. Make up things. And uh, it's in Greek, it's oligopistos. And he says it in a couple other places, like parallel passages, but it's the only place in the Bible. Jesus is the only one that uses this word in the whole Bible. So he made up a word for this because I think it was really important and he wanted to get the point through. I looked it up and the best I can find in English is this. Um, little, you of little faith, oligopistos, is incredulously puny confidence in god your confidence in god is incredulously puny legal pistos you see what jesus is saying is let's get this straight i made all this you believe it you've taught your kids this you already believe the hardest part can you just trust me with the rest now let me be in control in control the reason that you worry is because your faith is so small People with big faith don't worry much. In fact, we probably are bothered by people with big faith because they're the ones that come in and they've got the same problems that we do or they're bigger and they're smiling and they're laughing and they're sleeping and everything's fine. And we're asking ourselves, how do they do that? I could never do that. I would fall apart if I was having that problem. Who said that? 
How do they get through that? What is that? Well, I'll tell you. It's You just met someone with big faith. Bigger faith, smaller worry. And like I said, you can't stop trying to worry. It's like trying to go to sleep and saying, go to sleep. Like I said, part of the problem is that our faith is too small. I'm going to go there in a minute. Follow faith to its logical conclusions. If God did all this, from the universe to what's inside the mom when the baby's being born that he already knows and is designing, can he take care of me and my problems? 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Remember, these were the big things in their day. People kind of live from day to day, hand to mouth, food, whatever. They worry about this. We kind of worry about a step before that is how are we going to get to the point where we can pay for the food and the shelter and the clothes? And so we say, how am I going to get a job? How am I going to sell my house? How am I going to pay for my kid's college? How am I going to get into the school I want? How am I going to fix my kids? How am I going to control the future? Don't stress out all over these. And yes, these things are important. So care, do all you can, pray, and then don't worry. This next passage, Jesus is going to kind of twist the knife a little further because he's already said, you're too busy. Just stop and look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Come on. If you get what they get, you will stop worrying. And then he says, you of oligopistos, you of little faith. And now he says one more thing to kind of drive the point home. Verse 32, for the pagans run after all these things. Uh, Looked at pagans, my wife and I were having a little debate over what it actually meant. And uh, it's, it's basically people that do not believe in God or do not have a God or have many gods, can't decide on which one, um, would be considered pagans. So Jesus is kind of making a comparison here. There's you guys that say you believe in the one God and everything that he's done. And then there's these other people that don't believe in any God or too many gods. They're worried about everything. You're worried about everything. You're just like the pagans. Everyone else runs, seeks, and is devoted to the pursuit of all the stuff that you're also worried about. And so he's like saying to them, if you're paralyzed by worry, you are living your life like someone who doesn't believe in God, like an atheist. So follow me here for a minute and see if you can get the point. We live and we work side by side with people who worry about all the same things that we've been worrying about. All of them. You could, we could form little groups. Who's worried about their house payment? Who's worried about their job? Who's worried about their um, prodigal kids? Who's worried about um, the bowl game at the end of the year? You know, all of these things that people are worried about. Um, Jesus is saying, as you live with those people, bump into them, rub shoulders with them, share stories with them, your response to your problems should be so different that they will be amazed. They should be able to look at your life and say, you've got the same problems I do. In fact, yours seem a little worse, but you don't seem worried. You don't seem afraid. You look like you're getting a good night's sleep. Why? How do you deal with all this stuff? This is the reason I got this wood podium today. You know what that is? It's opportunity knocking. It doesn't sound good on a little metal stand. 
this is our opportunity. This is the time when we get to tell people about God because they want to know. If you get sucked into your worry, there might as, not, might as well not even be a God for you. You're acting like everybody else. And Jesus is saying, stop it. S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. Stop it. This is your opportunity to shine. And you might look at your worries and your opportunities and go, could I just have a different opportunity this time? What if God has something for us that he wants to take us through in our pain and our brokenness, take us through to strength? Will we trust him to provide for us during that time of trial? What if we're going through it for the benefit of someone else? I got to tell you a story of um, three guys named Steve. Um, the first and the last were my friends. The other guy I just met. Um, Steve Reynolds uh, was a guy that played on my softball team in Sacramento. He was a, a great family man. He had worked at uh, Lucky Supermarkets for a long, long time. And he decided he wanted to be around church more. So for some reason, he took the head custodian job at our church and um, did a great job and hung around us more. And, and um, there's funny stories that I can't even tell today, but... Uh, He was, uh, while we were in Sacramento, he was up here on vacation with his family, and they were rafting on one of the rivers up here that leads into the ocean. It wasn't the Columbia, so I'm not sure which one it was. And had his kids in the raft, and he was in the raft with them, and his wife was over on on the bank. And they hit a rough spot, and the raft flipped over, and all the kids fell into the water. And one by one, he flipped the raft over, grabbed each kid, put them back in the boat. But he was so tired by the time he got to his little three year old girl. None of them were wearing life jackets, so he had to move fast. And he found out at this point that he forgot, I guess, that he didn't know how to swim. And after he got his last little girl in the raft, he couldn't hold on any longer, and he disappeared into the water, and he didn't come up. Um, Until they found him later, and and obviously he was drowned at that point. Um, I'll get back to that story in a minute. A little bit later, we um, filled that custodian job with another guy. His name was Steve. And um, Steve, number two, uh, was a fisherman. And one day he was on the banks of the um, American River and he was climbing up a tree to get a better spot on a steep bank. And he fell out of the tree, landed on his neck, broke his neck and died right on the spot. Um, My best friend, Steve, was unemployed. Um, Shortly after that, he said, I hear hear the church is looking for a new custodian. And I said, yeah, they they are. Um, Steve Reynolds passed away, you know, a while ago. And Steve, the fisherman, he fell out of a tree and passed away. And he goes, what? He goes, I'm not applying for that job. (laughs) So back to uh, Steve Reynolds, number one. They had a memorial service for him at the church, and the place was packed. Um, People from the church, people from the softball team, a ton of people from Lucky Supermarket, where he hadn't worked for five or six years, showed up um, to remember him. And his dad got up and gave the talk at the end. And at the end of that, he said, you know, Steve um, died saving his kids and his little daughter, picking her up with his last breath and putting her into the boat before he drowned. And there's someone who's done that for you. Jesus gave up his life to save you. And after that memorial service, 11 people from Lucky's came forward and said, I want to receive Jesus. So sometimes God's got a plan that's bigger um, than, than us or that we can imagine. And the difference between people of faith and those that don't have it is the response to the trials, to the troubles. Um, verse 32, second part here says, 
And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, all those things you were worrying about. So he's acknowledging that these things we worry about are important, but they're not the most important things. This is what separates us from pagans. And so I got to ask, do you know that your heavenly Father God knows what you need? Do you really believe that? If you do, you got to know he's on it. Don't worry. He's got your back. You don't have to worry if you believe that he knows. You will not worry if you believe that he knows and he's on it. And he says he is. And so this is bigger faith, smaller problems. We did this last week. Let's try this again. Maybe it'll help. Repeat this after me, if you don't mind. I believe my heavenly father knows my needs. I believe my heavenly father knows my needs. You know, a lot of times when my wife is talking to me and trying to get something through, she doesn't want the solution. She just wants me to listen and know what her needs are. And sometimes just saying it makes it go away. We need to know that our Father knows our needs. And so really we move on to the solution. The first part is faith. Our faith needs to grow. The second one is something also we can do. And the issue is devotion, as I said at the beginning. The first verse we read said we can't have two masters. It's God or money, God or mammon, God or all of my stuff that I've accumulated emotionally, materially, physically, Um, the solution is redirecting our devotion. And here it is in the next verse. In verse 33, it says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first. And so I got to ask, what have you been seeking first? Your own kingdom? Your own stuff? If what you've been seeking is for you and not for God, then that's why you are where you are. It's why you worry. And so the solution Jesus is presenting is it's about a transfer of devotion. I will stop being devoted to all my stuff and the thought that I can control anything in the future. And I will surrender that to God who can control the future, who knows my needs and says he will take care of it if I will just trust him. So in essence, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness looks like this, surrendering our life to him. Because he knows best. He's known us from before we were made. He knows what's going to happen. We don't. Um, Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second part of that command, loving your neighbor as yourself. That's kind of what God's kingdom is about. Bringing it here to earth means everything that's going well in heaven where God is, is supposed to be happening here too. And Jesus already left and he's left us to spread that message. And part of the way, like I said, that we spread that message is by our response to our trials that amazes people to the point where they say, how do you do that? Um, Most of us, I would say, um, know the Lord's Prayer. It was actually in Matthew 6 um, earlier. We didn't cover it yet, but I don't even think we have to go back and look at it. I'm guessing that most of you could say it with me. And let's just start it for a minute and see, see what happens. Ready? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Stop there. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus had just told his disciples how to pray, what to pray for. And sometimes when we worry, we missed all that. 
your kingdom before mine. First means your kingdom before mine. On earth means here and now. As it is in heaven, in eternity, and also now, because now is included in eternity. And we think about our stuff, my stuff, and hurry up with the heaven part. God's way first means mine and everything else is second. This is the transfer of devotion. When we concern ourselves first with what God is trying to do here on earth, with us, through us, and with those around us, he'll add that other stuff to us. We don't need to worry about it. So maybe you need to say, God, to the best of my ability, which is everything I can do, at the end of the day, I want your will in my life more than I want my way. And if you can honestly say that, maybe it needs to be every day, maybe a couple of times a day, something will happen to your worry. All I can say is for the last two weeks, I've been in this mode, and when something comes up and I feel the need to worry, it's like an alarm going off that says, no, don't worry, trust. Can I do anything about this? If I can, I'll go do it. And if I can't, then I don't worry about it. And it's working pretty well so far. Uh, But we need to keep this before us. I think that's why I wanted to give you that card to take home and hold it. I'm going to switch you to another passage in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. In fact, if you have that uh, paper that you've rolled up, if there's anything left of it now, um, just somewhere on there, write Philippians 4, 6, and 7, just the reference. And you can go back and, and, and look at this again later when you pull that worry sheet out again. And it says this, do not be anxious about anything. Um, the two-word translation of that line is, stop it! <laughs> but in everything by prayer, which is talking to God, and petition, which is asking God, with thanksgiving, which is remembering what God has done and what he will do and be thankful for it, it says, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. That's when you go, how did that happen? Will guard your hearts and your minds. And isn't that the place where we worry? Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, let's look at the second part of that, Philippians 4, 6. I called it B. Present your requests to God. It's an invitation to surrender, to present, to surrender and stop worrying. And when you stop worrying, it says that you'll have peace that will guard your heart and mind. So the peace that keeps you from worrying further. Uh, let me go one more verse and then we'll come back to that idea. Philippians 4, 8. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, all sounds really positive, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So you can see there that the result of keeping our minds fixed on the positive things, on the right things, will lead to peace at the end. And isn't peace almost the opposite of worry? Um, interesting that just in the last 10 days or so, since I've been working on this topic, uh, little football article here, um, August 14th, um, James Rogers talking about his injury, um, says, of course, people are going to ask if I'm going to come back. That's the number of question I'll be asked, but it was never in my head. 
I just worked hard, everything he could do, and let everything else take care of itself. Sounds familiar. Um, Overall, I kept myself around positive people and being positive about everything. I did all I could. I left the rest to take care of itself and hang around positive people. Sounds like the instructions we're getting today. So here's the options. Option A, trust God for tomorrow and that others will see God in my life by the way I handle my stuff without worry. Or option B, worry. Why worry when you can't control it anyway? There is no certainty. When you do this, when you trust him, here's the surprise at the end. 633B, and all these things will be given to you as well, as we've already said. All the things that your father knows you need, because you're more valuable to God than the birds and the flowers, and you, not the birds and the flowers, are, are asked to call him father. And the final verse, Matthew 6:34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Your will be done tomorrow. I trust you with tomorrow as I seek your kingdom today. So take that uh, list if you have it there. And um, if you've been holding on to it, like I suggested you might, or whatever, just take it out. I want you to think of something differently now. When, uh, in just about every battle movie I've ever seen, when, when one army comes up and decides they've been defeated and um, they surrender, usually a representative will come up and they'll take out their sword and they'll hold it in their hands with their palms up and they'll present it with their head down to the person who can save their life. Because when you surrender, they don't take your life. They take your allegiance and then you go fight for them, right? I think that's what I've seen in most movies. So what I want you to do is a little act like this. Um, Just close your eyes so this isn't weird. I'm just going to close in prayer here. But I want you to take this thing that you're worried about, and I just want you to put it in your hands and keep your hands open. Let go of it just for a couple minutes here. Just let go of it and, and hold it out here. And I want you to think of this as I surrender because I've been holding on to it, and all I do is worry about it, and I really can't do anything more about it. So I'm going to surrender to his plan. So I'm going to hold it up, palms open, present him in which I, the things in which I've been finding my security, which is what I can do about it. And I can't do anything about it. And I'm going to trade them to him for life. Worry doesn't add to our life. If I can give my worries away and I won't be continually losing life. So I'm just going to ask you to hold that out in your hands there. If you don't have one, if you didn't write it, you still know what you're worried about. Just Close your eyes and put your hands out and imagine like that thing is your hand. Let's pray. God, today uh, we need to admit that we worry about way too many things. And maybe today we've just got this one big thing that we've been holding on to. And today we want to release it to you. We want to at least practice this not worrying thing. Not by not worrying, but by saying, I believe in all that you've done and that you're big enough to handle this because I've done everything I can do up till now, and I can't change the future, but I want to offer this to you. I want to present it to you. I want to surrender this to you. And today, I want to agree to change my devotion to seek you first and your kingdom. I want to let you have it, God. I'm releasing it to you today. 
so that your will be done? Even if it means there's something I have to go through that I'll trust you to take care of me during that time, because it might not be for me, it might be for somebody else, that you're helping me to be strong for someone else. I will devote my life to you above all these other devotions. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth and in my life. In Jesus' name, amen.